authority. My job, I have, I have the authority. The authority. With this badge, I've been given the authority. The Everyone has an authority. Whether you want to admit it or not, there's, a, there's an authority in your life right now. And that authority could be you. It could be someone that you highly value their opinion. But you have an authority. And the problem comes when your authority has no better vision than you do. Think about in, in a football game. I played football through high school. I still watch football. I, I enjoy it very much. But think about a football game. What goes on during the football game? You got the head coach and you got some of the coaches on the sidelines, but you usually have a set of coaches up in the press box. Why is that? Because they have a different perspective on the game. And you got these coaches on the sidelines with their headphones on and they're constantly talking to the guys up in the pr press box who can see down from a different perspective and figure out what's going on. I don't know if you've watched some of the pro games. They even have... Um, pictures that somehow they've got the cameras up above and they can you see the guys on the sidelines are looking at pictures trying to figure out what the other team is doing so that they can adjust to it and they can win the ball game. Now, why don't they ever have coaches stationed in the parking lot? I could just hear them on the headphones. Uh, coach. Row D parking lot four. Uh, it's parking space four. It's open. What's the coach going to do? Dude, get your tail in the game. <laughs> Or you're fired. Well, what we try to do is we allow people, coaches, who are stationed in the parking lot, who have no real view of our lives, to have influence over us. And they begin to pour into our lives values that, that don't matter, especially when you compare them to God's word. And so what we've got to do is we've got to figure out where our authority is going to come from. And it only makes sense to me that if I'm going to allow someone to have influence in my life, I want someone smarter than me. I want someone who doesn't make mistakes. I want someone who has a different perspective on my life than me. And so I've got to turn to God. Now, um, the problem is when we talk about this, whenever we have this authority issue and we say we're going to allow someone to have authority over our lives, the problem is this internal alarm goes off. And we say, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Um, it starts when, when, we're, when we are babies, when we come into this world. Because I don't care what you tell a baby, that baby's not listening to you, right? Janie and I were talking about this years ago when our children were born. You know, there'd be a point in time where I'd say, we're not training them. They're training us. They cry. We come running, you know. We need to get them to adapt to us because we're supposed to be the authorities, not the babies. But it goes all the way through the teenage years, too, right? Oh, man, did I rebel against my parents. I was one of those. I was one of those. Uh. Secret agent rebellion, though. My parents thought I was this great kid and I made good grades and I went to church all the time, but I was the secret agent rebeller. We all think that, oh, man, if I can just get out of the house and not have anybody telling me what to do, then life will be great. I went to college thinking nobody was going to tell me what to do. Every professor told me what to do and when to do it. I'd get that little slip from the registrar's office telling me how many hours I had registered for. 
and when I had to pay or I'd get kicked out. I had a landlord. I mean, you think about every decision. We're, we're fast approaching the end of the year when, when we close the books on, on another year. And so that means you and I have a date with the IRS on April 15th. Is that a negotiable deadline? Is that an optional deadline? No, the government is telling me what to do. Whenever I'm driving my truck and I'm going a little too fast, which never happens, I never go too fast. But if I did, going down a hill with a stiff tailwind, and I happen to see a police officer on the side of the road, what is he doing? He's reminding me that someone else is telling me what I'm supposed to do. Because I'm going to check my speed immediately when I see him. Because somebody else is telling me what to do. When I got married... No, no, I'm kidding. She's, yeah, she's over here today. I've got to be careful what I say. She said, hey. <laughs> you think about it. I have insurance um, agencies telling me what to do and when. I've got bills. Bills aren't fun to pay. But if I don't pay them, there's consequences. To only have my parents telling me what to do. That was like the best time of my life. Because they were the only ones. Now I've got all these authorities telling me what to do and when. Now, every human has this desire for freedom. And this desire is we want to be in charge of our, own, of our own lives. What this really means is what I want to do, what I want to do, when I want to do it, with no consequences. And if I'm really truthful today, what that means is I don't want to be under authority, but I want all you to be under authority. I want everyone else to follow rules because when I'm on the highway and I'm in a hurry, get out of my way that, you know, speed shouldn't be an issue. You should not be going slow looking, you know, over here. Or if I'm going slow, just enjoying the scenery and you come flying up behind me, I'm looking for a cop. Where's that cop when you need him? Because that guy needs to get off my tail. We want everyone else to follow rules and authority, just not us. And that's not the way it works. Now. When you consider the life of Jesus, you discover that his life was an illustration of one of the most powerful principles that I could ever share with you. But this principle runs against everything you will hear outside the walls of a church. And here it is. It's on your listening guide. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Now, you can also say that the opposite of that is true. Maximum bondage is found outside of God's authority. Maximum freedom under God's authority, maximum bondage outside of God's authority. And we'll talk a whole lot more about that in a little bit. If you are out from under God's authority, little by little, your life begins to fall apart and you get more and more chained to the things of this world that don't really matter. If they mattered, you could take them with you to the grave. But the things that, that we are getting chained to in this world, we leave behind. And so we're going to talk about some benefits today that um, that carry on beyond the grave. Now, Jesus was always getting in trouble with uh, religious leaders who thought they had authority. And there was one instance where Jesus heals a man. It's it's in John chapter five. He heals a man who was uh, crippled and he does it on the Sabbath day. Now, some of the religious leaders got really upset about this because Jesus wasn't following their man-made rules. And they have this whole huge dialogue about it. They're arguing with him about this. And Jesus says, is it, is it right to do good on the Sabbath day or is it right to do bad? You know, he said, I had the power to do good. They thought he was working. Their man-made rule said you cannot work on the Sabbath. And they thought that just because Jesus healed the guy, that was work. And so he was violating God's principles. 
Well, Jesus responds to him like this. You have page 81. If you want to follow this in, in your Bible, turn to page 81. It's John 5:30, which says, I can do nothing on my own. Jesus is speaking. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Now, there's a couple of keys there. Jesus, the son of God who had the power to heal people, to speak to the wind and the waves. Jesus, the, the, the one who had the power to speak and, he, and raise somebody from the dead. The one who had the power to forgive sin says, I never, ever do anything on my own initiative. I carry out orders. Jesus said, I have decided to only do and say what I see my father doing and saying. Now, being under God's authority then allowed Jesus to be the freest person who ever lived. All right, we're talking about maximum freedom comes from being under God's authority. Jesus was the freest person who ever lived. And one of the best illustrations I know of that is in John chapter 19. Jesus was being tried before Pilate. If you know anything about how Jesus was, was crucified, he goes before Pilate, who's the Roman um, ruler, Roman authority in that area. And Jesus won't respond to him. All these accusations are coming up. And Pilate looks at Jesus and he says, don't you understand? I have the power to free you. Or to kill you. And Jesus is thinking about the whole scheme of things. The ultimate authority picture. And he is under God's authority. And Jesus says, you have no power over me except what was given to you by my father. And Pilate was stunned by that. That illustrates the principle. Being under God's authority gives you more freedom than anywhere else you can go. And so if we're under that authority, maximum freedom comes to us. Now, that leads to something else. Everyone can experience incredible benefits. This is the second thing on your listening guide. Everyone has an authority. Everyone can experience these benefits, but not everyone does. And there's a reason for that. Some folks believe that they can bargain with God. We were discussing this this week in our team meeting, and we actually said, you know, we've heard people say, I made a deal with God. Now, that's pretty funny when you think about it, because God spoke and created the world and God spoke and created humans and God, God has all this power and God's perfect. If you're going to make a deal with somebody, don't you have to have something to offer? What have you got? What have I got to offer God? Sin. I mean, that's like that's like a baby coming into your family and the baby saying, I got a lot to offer you. I got three poopy diapers a day and ten wet diapers. That's what we would be like offering God stuff because we're sin filled, sin stained. God doesn't need anything that we have. God loves us like a loving parent and he puts up with a bunch of junk, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are. Now, I want you to think about hindsight. Hindsight, what do we say about it? It's 2020. What does that mean? It means when I've done something stupid, I can look back. And I can say, wow, that was really stupid. If I'd had some more information or maybe if I'd had a different perspective on life, I wouldn't have done that. Maybe if I'd known some things then that I know now, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's because in essence, what you're doing is you're getting God's perspective, only you're getting it after the fact. God has that perspective before. And it would be more helpful to have God's perspective before we get in trouble than after we get in trouble. Well, let's talk about four distinct benefits that if you get under God's authority, you can have these. And these benefits last beyond the grave. The first one. Being under God's authority allows you to live a life free of regret. 
a life free from regret. According to the Bible, you don't have to live in a vacuum to live a productive Christian life. You see, the whole idea of being a monk and going to a monastery, that's that's completely foreign to what Jesus did and foreign to what the Bible teaches. You can't even obey all of the teachings in the New Testament if you go hide out in some mountain and you never speak to anybody and and all you do is talk to God and and maybe get to sing a few chants and and stuff like that. You can't obey all the one another's in the New Testament. God never expected us to go hide in order to be productive Christians. God expects us to be productive Christians right here in the real world. Um, Now, we go through um, we go through tough situations because we make bad choices and uh, and here's how God tries to protect us from those bad choices. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. He says, young people can live a clean life by obeying your word. I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. Well, the Bible says, how can someone stay pure by living under God's authority, by living according to God's word? And and here again, we talk about this a lot. We could go around and we could share experiences about screw ups in our life because we always say we're a church full of screw ups. We just admit it up front (laughs) so we don't have to pretend when we come through the doors that we got it all together. We're just screw ups. And so we could go around because here's the deal. Venture outside of God's ideal when it comes to sex. And what you find is not freedom, but bondage. The more you do think sex outside of the way God designed it, designer sex is one man, one woman for a lifetime. There is security. There is freedom within that. You venture outside of it. It's bondage. Try to find a marriage partner outside of God's plan and you'll find out it's like bondage to be married to the wrong person, right? You don't have to amen that. That's all right. That's all right. We'll keep that another time. Try to do finances outside of the way God uh, designed it. And, and you'll find out real quickly that when you are in debt up to your eyeballs, it feels like you're in bondage. In fact, the Bible tells you that, that the borrower becomes the lender's slave. But we don't know it because we don't read the Bible. God has all these warning signs, all these red flags up there saying, if you'll do things my way, you'll have freedom. But if you do things outside of my way before long, it'll feel like you have given your soul to the devil and you will feel chained and you will feel trapped. You won't feel freedom. Now, the Bible says in Mark 8, 36 and 37, if you want to look at it, it's on page 37. By the way, these are on the listening guide. If you want to follow along there, you can find it. Page 37, Mark 8, 36 and 37. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Jesus is speaking. He says, is anything worth more than your soul? Here's a big flashing neon sign saying, don't be foolish and chase things that don't satisfy your soul. Don't be foolish and store up for your thing, yourself things in earth that decay, that people can steal, that, that the uh, elements can destroy. God says, build up stuff in heaven. Then you'll have true treasure. Build up stuff. Pursue things that bring up meaning to your soul. And God says, then you'll have this life that I'm talking about. I guarantee you people that are in hell would trade every penny that they've ever made. They would trade all the fame, all the awards for one opportunity to come back to earth and give their souls to God. They trade it all in a heartbeat. Now, that's just one example of God's wisdom offered in God's word. And, and I'm willing to bet, because I know a lot of you, I'm willing to bet that if if you had known some of these principles years ago, it would have kept you from a life of misery. 
Because how many times have you heard a principle from God's Word and you go, Dad, come if I'd only known that ten years ago. If I'd have known that last week, I wouldn't have made that stupid business decision. I wouldn't have made that stupid relationship decision. I wouldn't have done the drugs. I wouldn't have done those things because oh, God could have protected me from that. It'll, it will protect you from a whole lot of misery if you'll listen to God. Because every mistake I've ever made, every one of them, has happened when I've stepped out from underneath the authority structure that God had in my life. I stepped out from under God's authority. I stepped out from under my parents' authority. I stepped out from under the government's authority. That happens. And I'm, if I were a betting man, I'd bet that, that whatever you've done that you regret the most, it's happened when you've stepped outside of God's authority. And I'm also willing to bet that if you had listened to God instead of doing whatever it is you'd like to delete from your life, if you'd listen to God, I'm willing to bet you would have more freedom this moment than you do now because you did it your way. Right? Now, if you surrender your authority, your life to God, one day you'll breathe a huge sigh of relief. I've been doing church a long time. In fact, I was thinking about this this week. I, I grew up in the nursery of Fellowship Baptist Church in Borger, Texas. I mean, we were at church all the time. I remember my nursery teacher t- teaching me how to stick out my tongue. That was my first authority issue right there. Um, but I remember growing up in, in the church and, and never have I heard in my 42 years, never have I heard someone say, you know, doing it God's way just caused me a whole lot of pain, a lot of regret. <laughs> I sure wish I'd blown off God and done it my way. But counselors' offices and church pastors' offices are filled with people who said, I messed up. I should have listened to God. Freedom comes from being under God's authority. Now, the second thing, the second benefit, we can live a life free of regret, but the second benefit is we can see in advance which path to take. I mean, this makes more sense to me than anything else because I like maps. I was going to Waco to pick up my son yesterday from a soccer deal, and, and I'd already been this this soccer field many times, but I still wanted to look at the map because I could see in advance where I needed to go. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. When would it be most beneficial for God to instruct you, before or after you screw up? <laughs> so if you want this benefit, you've got to get under God's authority. Don't try to do this trash and say, you know, I'll pick and choose which of God's I'm going to do. Because God says, no, no, no. I don't give advanced knowledge to these people. I don't give advanced knowledge to these people. Make your choice, God says, and then I'll let you see in advance the path that you need to take. Now, it would be like this. I have nearsighted vision. How many of you are nearsighted? Let me see your hands. Wow, there's just a few of us. When I take off my contacts, my kids are like, can you see me? And I'm, yeah, I can see a lump. And so they'll say, can you read that? I can't read squat when my, when my contacts are off. It's bad news. I can see lumps, but it would be kind of like this. All right. You have the choice to make. You can walk around like this, but God's word says what he wants to do is show you some principles. So it would look like this. Hello. (laughs) New life. Man, that was back in the day. That was when we were in the pizza parlor. High dollar sign. That's when we could. We didn't afford. We couldn't afford to pay the pastor back then. So. I think we borrowed, we did borrow that sign. 
So God says, I will show you in advance, but you got to trust me. And, and when, when God gives you this advanced knowledge, it allows you to make a choice and feel, the Bible says again, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who's made decisions and you could just tell they were at peace. I mean, major, earth-shattering, life-changing decisions, they were at peace. And most of the time, either they're nuts or they know God and they spend a whole lot of time talking to God. And so my question is, when you make big decisions in your life, do you feel the peace of God or are you worried sick because you just don't know if you made the right choice or not? If you're worried sick, I'm guessing you didn't spend a whole lot of time with God and you're not under his authority. Now, there's another benefit. You live a life of meaning and purpose. Get to live a life of meaning and purpose. You can live a life of no regret. You can see in advance what decisions you're supposed to make, and now you're supposed, you can live a life of meaning and purpose. I want you to watch this video, and I want you to pay attention to this guy's life and see what the trajectory of his life is and see his attitude towards authority. brush your teeth for bed. Young man, answer me. Fine, have it your way. I want you to go to the corner now because you did not obey me. And you will not be playing with your friends for a week. Is that understood? What are you waiting for? Go to the corner now. Honestly, wait until your dad gets home.
Hey, Jason, you have a second. Yeah. So what's going on? Well, it's about your performance uh, here in the last year or so. What I do now? Well, yesterday was the third time we've had to write you up in the last year. That's your final warning. In order for you to succeed at this company, you're going to have to learn to work within the chain of command. I don't need this. day in and day out. Why can't you just trust me? Trust you? Do you really have to ask that? That's not fair. Fair? Do you want to know what's not fair? You sleeping around behind my back with a co-worker! That's not fair! You know what, Jason? You may find this hard to believe. I used to believe in marriage. Remembers your sin. He sees your sin right now. Just, just, just give it to him because he's already taken it. Just simply say, God, I admit the truth. Just say that I admit the truth about my condition. I turn from my sins and turn to you. I believe that you commissioned Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins and rise again. And Jesus infiltrates me. cumulative effect of, of the choices this guy made in his life regarding authority led to a life that was shattered. And honestly, we were talking about this. I'm surprised he made it to 37 and was still married because he didn't have any authority issues. If you were to ask him, who is in charge of your life? I imagine this guy would stick his chest out and say, I am. But where did it get him? It's a life full of broken promises. And I just think, what a waste. I have, I've performed many funerals where I have stood up to speak to family and friends of someone who's died. And the really sad thing is when I don't have anything good to say about the dead person. I can get up and I can read the obituary and uh, that's about all I have good to say about them because they lived a life like this Jason in the video. 
And then I just have to talk about how you can live a, a, a good life and what God says about the afterlife. And, and I just think, what a waste. And my prayer for you is that when, when you ask me or whom, whomever your family asks to do the funeral for you, my prayer is that you won't have this life that's, that people are just saying, what a waste. Because I've talked to many of my preacher friends about it. We hate funerals of someone who's wasted their life. We hate them. Because you can't spend any time. What I love to do is I love to celebrate. One of my 80-year-old friends died last year. That was the most fun funeral I've ever preached. Because this woman was incredible. Had hardships all throughout her life. And she was the sweetest lady that you've ever met. I did uh, Bridget's, uh, April's wedding the other night. And, and her mom, Donna, was there. Donna slipped and fell 15 years ago. And she's paralyzed from the neck down. Been in a nursing home for 15 years. She comes to the, to the wedding in, in a van. Has to get down, you know, and she has this electronic wheelchair that she controls with her chin. She pushed it around, got a little knob on it. The absolute sweetest lady I've ever met in my life. How, how can you be sweet if you're in a wheelchair for 15 years? You've got to know God. And in fact, I went over and I put my arm around her and I said, Don, I know what a prayer warrior you are. I need you to pray for me. I don't want you to live a life of regret. But if you live under your authority or anyone's other than God's, that's what you're going to do. Get under God's authority right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait and make a New Year's resolution that you're not going to keep. Start today so that you'll have this life of meaning and purpose. And if you do that, that will allow you to experience the fourth benefit, which is leave an impression of Christ on others. Page 92 in your Bibles. Leave an impression of Christ on others. John 15, 4 and 5 says, Remain in me. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The amount of spiritual fruit that someone produces in their life is always in direct proportion to the amount of time they spend under the authority of God's Word. And, and it's not enough just to believe God's Word. It's not enough to say, I believe in umbrellas. Because if you never get under that umbrella, that umbrella doesn't do any good for you. It's not enough to say, I believe. You've got to do something with it. Um, You can't live a good Christian life if you're not underneath the authority of God's Word. You can't even live a mediocre Christian life if you're not in God's Word, reading God's Word, letting God's Word feed you, and then doing what God's Word says. And and I just want to show you why. Page 151, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Followers of Christ are supposed to reflect the image of God to a watching world. But the problem is, when I step out from under God's authority, and I make choices based on my own decisions, then the image of Christ in me is distorted. And what people see is a jerk Doug Washburn, not a follower of Jesus Christ. What I have to do is I have to feed on God's Word, allow that to nourish me, allow the Spirit of God to take the Word of God to make me look more like the Son of God. 
That's what this Bible says. We are changed to look more like Jesus. And we are changed to do that as we feed on, as we get under God's authority, and as we obey Him. Because see, it's like this. Um, The big headlines lately has been the world's largest uncut diamond. Have you ever seen an uncut diamond? It's ugly. We have a picture of one. That looks valuable to me. Twelve million bucks right there. That's what they paid for this uncut diamond. 601 carats. How many ladies like to mount that on a ring and wear it? That looks like something I got out of my backyard. But when this is in the hands of a master, I was reading up on uncut diamonds this week. The the largest uncut diamond ever found was 3,102 carats. It looked like this pumpkin. It was about the same color, you know, light orange color. And the guy who found it over 100 years ago was walking through the diamond mine, looks up and he sees something that he thinks it's fake because it's so big. And they cut it up into all these things. And it was such a big deal when he started cutting it. The first time he went to cut, his saw broke. The second time he went to cut, it actually split where he wanted it to. And he fainted because he was under so much pressure to get it right because this was a gift to the king of England. In the hands of the master, this diamond becomes more valuable. And it begins to look like this. And God has already created you in His image. You don't need any more value. This diamond is worth much more once it's been polished and and cut like this. It would be foolish for me to say, well, this diamond needs, you know, a 401k retirement plan. All the value is already there. It's been discovered. The problem with your life is, in most cases, you haven't discovered that you're very valuable to God. So valuable that he died on the cross to purchase your life. And he wants to change you from the inside out. But we are so caught up in, I've got to be in charge. I'm number one. And God says, if you'll let me, I'll take your life and I'll turn it into something that will touch others. You'll begin to say things and do things that the founder of Christianity did. And when you do that, you'll make an impression on others, not of your life, but of Jesus' life. Think about that as you listen to this song. It's called Surrender. And it it does the same thing over and over. As you learn the words of the chorus, we'll put the words of the chorus up there and you can sing along. But just listen to this song called Surrender. Surrender. 